We've got a fun show on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. I'm Chris Towers here with Heath Cummings and Scott White. Not not necessarily the most uh, interesting fantasy baseball day of all time, though, right? Mm, not the most interesting, no. But it was a fun day. You you sound like you sound like Adam, who just spent way too much time putting together the show notes and was struggling to find with something to lead off the show with. That's what you sound like. Is this accurate? Um, I'll plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> no, I, I really I I wasn't uh, totally. I I was struggling with things to talk about. We've got some fun segments, but not necessarily a lot of reacting to Monday's games. I don't know if. Uh, Maybe you disagree. Scott, you seem to have a lot of things to talk about. Why don't we kick off the show with some Monday standouts? I'm here. <laughs> Hi, Heath. Thank you. I said your name. Oh, you want me to talk? I thought Scott was giving us the things well, that he wanted to react to. I was just letting people know that I was here. Well, I didn't know, because Chris stood up and walked away from the mic. I thought we'd paused or something, I but was, we didn't. I was we didn't. Very we upset. are still yes. recording. I'm going to talk about... Sean Newcomb, who had a good start yesterday, but I am not going to talk about Sean Newcomb in a favorable way. And I'm I'm glad Heath is here because I know he's probably been the biggest Sean Newcomb guy in the room, and maybe he can defend some of what I'm seeing here from Sean Newcomb. So he did bounce back with a nice start after some struggles, one and run in six innings against the Marlins, but with four walks to five strikeouts, and in his last six starts. Granted, most of them were bad, but in his last six starts, only one more strikeout than walk between them. And if you look at his last 12 starts, which includes a lot of the good ones, he's averaging just 6.7 strikeouts per nine innings in his last 12 starts. So he's, I mean, he's a pretty good ground ball pitcher, but he's not a good control guy. And as the season plays out, he's not looking like much of a bat misser either. I, I'm, I'm starting to have the concerns for him that I have for Jake Arrieta. Uh, you know, he's not aging the way Jake Arrieta is, so maybe there's a chance for a turnaround here from Newcomb. But at this point, I kind of feel like he's overvalued in fantasy. Yeah, I, I just straight up don't think Sean Newcomb's a good pitcher right now. Um, and we had this debate sometime last week, maybe last Tuesday or last Wednesday, Heath and I, and there's just there's more evidence this season that he's not very good than that he's good. If you look at, like you said, the last 12 starts, 48 strikeouts, 406 ERA, 34 walks. It's not even like, it's not the ERA. It's the strikeouts and walks. Like, he, those are pedestrian numbers. The, okay, if you, I, I will concede a few points. He is not pitching like a good pitcher right now. He doesn't look particularly special. I believe the argument that I made last time that I would still make is that he is a 25-year-old former top prospect that mm -hmm. struck out batters at every level, struck out batters at a high rate last year, and he's gone through a stretch where he's not getting the swings and misses. That is concerning. I don't think that the last couple of months override everything else we know about Sean Newcomb. They are concerning for the next couple of months. I don't have any evidence to say he's going to start striking guys out at a high rate starting tomorrow. So, But I will also say, and I, I haven't looked at the full schedule here recently, 
The Marlins are a really bad offense. The Marlins do not strike out at a high rate against left-handed pitchers. So the, the one well, thing but this I, was his best start in a while. The one thing I do uh, want to point out also is the 9.72 strikeouts per nine last year looks really good. That would be one of the best marks in baseball. But it was a 23.7% strikeout rate. Which is above average. It's above average, but it's not great. It's it's well, not it's nothing to write home about. I'm not about. calling Sean Newcomb an ace. Right, right, right. But he didn't get... Like, what I'm saying is that even last year, when he was getting strikeouts, he really wasn't getting that many strikeouts. He was just facing a lot of batters in the same inning. He was like, an above-average strikeout pitcher last year. Sure, by but any it was... Measure. Like, that's just true. Right, but that's not what I'm saying. You're saying that he... That, You're saying, saying, yes, he was an above-average strikeout pitcher, but he wasn't getting that many strikeouts. Right, okay, but it was like Jay Happ. Like, he was in the Jay Happ conversation last year in terms of strikeout rate. Okay. But he also had bad control, and he still has bad control, and now he's not getting strikeouts. I just, mm-hmm. it feels like, like, I'm with Scott here. It feels like we're chasing something that, like, withholding on. Like, I, I think you can drop Sean Newcomb, because I think you're chasing... Something that's, one, a low probability, and two, may not have that much upside I mean, based on what we've seen in the majors. You can frame it a variety of ways, and the last 12 starts is certainly one way to do it. You could also look at it and say of his last he has a six league, starts. He has a league average strikeout rate over the, lot, over the course of the season. So we're not going to frame yeah, it so different eight, ways. Eight we're just going to interrupt and throw a different stat in when somebody starts to make a point. <laughs> I and I don't I don't you know I don't know if you want to finish your point Heath but like we're Heath Chris mentioned dropping Newcomb and I don't know if I'm there yet but in terms of comparing him to other young pitchers who may not have the ERA but are getting the strikeouts I mean just look at the two guys we talked about yesterday Nick Pavetta and Vince Velasquez between the three which do you want the least and for most of the season we've been assuming Newcomb's in a different class from those others too. Uh, I'm not sure he isn't at the bottom of that list right now for me. Yeah, I think he definitely is. Yeah, I, I had Pavetta in his class for most of the year. I have Pavetta ranked quite a, I think, quite a ways ahead of him right now, or at least I should. So I'm not, I would not drop Sean Newcomb. I, I wouldn't really even consider it. I would understand if you don't feel comfortable starting him in his next matchup. I hope you started him last night. It was the Marlins. I think he may sit in one of those spots right now where I have hope for his future. I yeah. think he deserves to be on my roster. I am going to start him against teams like the Marlins or other good matchups. And I'm going to sit him against really good offenses. And the, the hard part with Newcomb is going to be the in-between. Yeah. Try to trade him coming off this start. That's what I would say. I, just, I think there's so many bad indicators for him right now. And it just hasn't caught up with him yet. And maybe it won't. He had a decent ERA last year despite pitching pretty poorly. And, and I, like, I think you can look at his game log over the last couple of months and see like he's had some... He faced the Padres through six shutout innings. He faced the Dodgers, gave up five runs and five and a third. He faced the Padres again, six shutout innings. Was good against the Orioles and the Reds. Was bad at the Yankees and at the Brewers. He was good again against the Marlins. Yeah, that, that, all, that all sounds like a pretty mediocre pitcher to me. Um, any other standouts, Heath? Do you do you have any other standouts? Well, let's talk about Jake Bowers, who we have fifty six percent owned. What are you guys doing? <laughs> he hit a three run home run last night. Went two for four. He is up to, I would guess, a high eight hundreds OPS now, eight fifty five, and that's with a 
250 batting average below what I think we would expect from him moving forward. Mm-hmm. Especially with the kind of line drive rate he has. It, I mean, I kind of like that he's still so available because it makes him an easy choice to put at the top of the 10 sleeper hitters column every week. I'm getting tired of but, writing about uh, him every single day in waiver wire. <laughs> That's true. There is some there is some writing fatigue there with Jake Bowers because people have been slow to react. And uh, everything I like about Jake Bowers, I like about Jesse Winker, and Jesse Winker's done it in about twice as many at bats. So I would still prioritize him over Bowers, but I, I really like both of them. See, the, the only reason I wouldn't is I think it is far more likely that Jake Bowers plays six games a week than Jesse Winker. Sure. Yeah, I mean, Jake Bowers doesn't really get the time off that Jesse Winker does. And with Scott Shebler set to come back from the DL, I believe on Wednesday. Yeah, tomorrow, yeah. That that could push Jake Bowers because he doesn't have the quite the plate discipline Jesse Winker does. Jesse Winker walks a lot, and so does Jake Bowers, but Jesse Winker doesn't strike out very much, and Jake Bowers has been. Um, yeah, he has been. But if it comes down to playing time, and a lot of fantasy does... Mm-hmm. Jake Bowers looked yeah, really I mean, good I by just, that measure. Jesse Winker's been starting five days a week lately, I would say. even I mean, even before Shebler went down. And if he keeps performing like he has been, I think he's going to be the clear front runner to play in that outfield for the Reds themselves. So we'll see. But, I mean, maybe Duvall gets traded here in the next week. Maybe Shebler does. Who knows? Would you rather have Jake Bowers as a corner infielder or Matt Chapman, who went deep last night and is 10 for 22 over his last five games? Bowers. Bowers. Interesting. Okay. It may be close in a point in a roto league. In a points league, it's not particularly close for me. Okay. Uh, another couple standouts that I have. How about Michael Franco or Jake Bowers? He went three for four with two home runs yesterday. In July, he is striking out 9.7% of the time with an OPS near 1,000. Actually, above mm-hmm. 1,000. 1,001, 333 average, five homers, 11 RBI. Is Michael Franco, do we think he's figuring it out? Well, I think last year maybe was the operation for him. I don't know that we'll ever see Michael Franco be the guy he was during that rookie half season in 2014. But... Uh, you know, he was he was a 25 homer guy two years ago with a mid 700s OPS, and it's always going to be kind of a low OPS because he's not a great walk guy. I feel like the kind of you know Rugnet Odor was somebody we talked about yesterday. I feel like players like him and Franco, um, even like a Jonathan Scope, when like maybe the the end result, the numbers are going to be pretty good. But when they're not at their absolute hottest, you feel like they're destroying you because they don't walk enough. And that's like walking is how players remain productive even when they're not hitting well, if that makes sense. So right now, Mikel Franco's hitting well. Everything's great, but it's it's not going to be this way rest and, of the season. And I, I think it's still really interesting. He was a guy that I, I don't know why he doesn't hit the ball any harder than he does. But even in July, you look at his hard contact rate by month. Mm-hmm. It was 25% in April, 26% in May, 27% in both June and July. The thing that's really changed for him hmm. is he was hitting way too many ground balls. And he's got a 45% fly ball rate this month. 
but he's still not making great contact. For the third consecutive month, he has a higher soft contact percentage than hard contact percentage. And that, I think, yep. gets to... And we'll, we'll move on and, and get to the rest of the show, but I, I, the biggest issue for him, I think, is just inconsistency, not just... You know, we talk about inconsistency a lot on a week or monthly basis. I think Michael Franco is inconsistent on, like, a pitch-to-pitch and plate-appearance-to-plate-appearance basis. And then <laughs> there was a piece in The Athletic that talked about that being the issue for him. Like, his average launch angle was down earlier in the season, but he was hitting more balls at the kind of ideal launch angle. And so it gets to this question of, you know, the hard hit rate might be low, but it might just be because he's so inconsistent, not because he doesn't have the natural raw power, which is tech generally how we view that. So, well, I think he has the natural raw yeah. power. He just doesn't make good contact regularly. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Rest of the show, we're going to have some emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. We're going to overreact to some pitchers. We're going to talk about a concerning Corey Kluber stretch. Team name Tuesday, obviously. Players to watch at the trade deadline, injuries, news, and notes, and some bullpen talk. But first, the big news, and really the only big news item of yesterday that I that I think happened was Blake Snell placed on the 10-day DL with shoulder fatigue. No structural damage, but is that something to be concerned about moving forward with Blake Snell, who has been, you know, arguably the biggest pitcher breakout of the season? I think any time a pitcher goes on the DL with an arm issue, you have to be a little concerned that they haven't discovered the full extent of it or it's going to pop up again when he comes off the DL. Uh, Yeah, there has to be some concern there. This doesn't sound like a serious issue. So, you know, I'm not trying to trade away Blake Snell today, but they're you know, if I've been relying on him as my ace, there's 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 some trepidation there, I think, is is fair to say. Yeah, and he struggled in his last start before the All-Star break. He gave up a home run in the All-Star game. I don't know if there were there were many warning signs, but it is certainly something to keep an eye on moving forward with Blake Snell, who had some regression coming, you know, 227 ERA. Uh, that was going to come up because his peripheral suggests he was more like a mid-threes pitcher. I think a fun question, because they're on the same team, is if somebody sent you a trade offer today offering you Chris Archer for Blake Snell, would you take it? Uh, no. No, well, I wouldn't even think about it. Yeah, I lean that way. I think Chris Archer is not as good of a pitcher as Blake Snell, and there's a chance that Chris Archer gets traded to a which would be less... Better. It would be in certain ways, but if he gets traded to the Yankees, which is one team that he's been linked to, <laughs> that, that would, would be, be tough. You they want to get him out of the AL East, basically, because if you look at his career, his seven-year career that's been entirely in the AL East, he has a 470 ERA at his four opponents' ballpark in the AL East and a 340 ERA everywhere else. <laughs> wow. Um, I think I'd do it. I... Ask me that question again in a week. No, you have to. Make- and if Blake Snell is not throwing <laughs> yet, I will have a very different answer. But that, like that, that's the concern with Blake Snell is that it goes from shoulder fatigue, he's sidelined for a week, and then he starts throwing and everything's fine, to shoulder fatigue, yeah. and then he throws, and then he feels something and it catches, and it just this. It could be one of those situations that yeah, if that if, snowballs. 
if you're if you play fantasy baseball that fearfully, like always worrying about the worst case scenario, you're going to get taken advantage of so often in trades. I think it's fair to play that way in draft season when you know every excuse not to pay a lot for a player who you think is go has a potential to go bad, fine. But once you already have him, like obviously well, let's not You're act like be... Chris Archer's nothing. Like, he was a top 20 starting pitcher at the beginning of the year. He's coming off a 13 strikeout performance where he didn't walk anybody. I, where do you have Chris Archer ranked? Maybe that's the difference in our discussion. I think he's in my top 40. Yeah, I think I've got him I'm, 20th. I'll have to look. I mean, it's been it's Dif- been a long time since I've done a thorough matters, rankings audit. But. Matters more in... He's, a, he's become a... a a categories versus head-to-head guy, hasn't he? No, because he throws a bunch of innings. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, is that he's more valuable in head-to-head at this point. Oh, I, I think because so. Because he, at this point, like he doesn't help your ERA. And we're going no. on four years he, of this, right? Or three right. years? Three years. He hasn't had an ERA below four since 2015. Now, if he gets rated out of the AL East, maybe wild. that changes. That Here's another thing. He hasn't stat. had a winning record since yeah. 2014. You know, and it, this year it's three and four. But so, we can't like, worry about wins when he pitches for the same team that Snell does. All right. Well, I guess that's true. let's but, move on. We've got our email of the day, which is about Blake Snell. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com. Email of the day number one, actually. We've got three. Dear Melissa, Nicole, Jack, and Darcy. Anybody? I didn't think so. Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, I believe it's the Smashing Pumpkins bassists. Uh... They've had the that years, many bases, huh? They they have famously rotated through quite a number of base players. <laughs> uh, with Snell on the disabled list, rank pitchers that I can pick up: Marco Gonzalez, Kyle Gibson, Vince Velasquez, Carlos Rodon, or Nick Kingham. That's Marco Gonzalez, Kyle Gibson, Vince Velasquez, Carlos Rodon, and Nick Kingham. You ready for this? Yes. You just did. You just did. Yeah, I, I think that or... yeah, I I might flip Gibson and Velasquez. I just think Velasquez has more upside, but I I don't necessarily disagree. Yeah, I um I think Kingham is a distant fifth. I kind of think the other four guys are all in the same category, and I would probably go Velasquez first. Mark Gonzalez has been really good this year. He has. Mm-hmm. Kyle Gibson has been really good this year. Yeah. And I understand what you're saying about the upside argument. I just, I don't know. I feel like. Well, you, you've when, never been a big Vince Velasquez fan either. And those first two have proven it over the first two thirds of the season. We're kind of in the home stretch now. And like, I'd rather just take somebody I know is going to be good. Nate also says at some point we should discuss Chris Towers host voice versus his analyst host voice. It is hilarious, and there needs to be a discussion amongst the crew. I haven't noticed, uh, <laughs> but I'm sure that there is a difference. Uh, my posture's different when I'm hosting, for one thing. Yeah, I'm kind of sitting up. Sometimes when I'm analyzing, I just... I would, I would guess it's different for everybody. I got a chance to host a couple Fantasy Baseball Today podcasts last year, and one of the comments was, you sound a lot happier when you're hosting. <laughs> <laughs> that might have just been because you were hosting with podcasting with Al instead of us. Uh, no, I did one with you, remember? You, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah that happened once. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I think, that obviously, there's a lot of pressure on the hosts just to 
to keep things moving and to, uh, you know, make make everything sound good. But there's a lot of pressure on the analyst just having to always have the answer, you know, oh, <laughs> like you, all, you have faking to know it. the answer to every question that's going to come up. We're just faking it. We're faking it. Yeah. Well, that's that's stressful on its own, right? Also, also, Nate says, congrats to Adam on the new little one. Congrats, Adam. And also, 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 speaking of Melissa, Nicole, Jack, and Darcy, Nate says, I got great tickets to see the Smashing Pumpkins this weekend in Philly on SeatGeek at an amazing value. And he used the $20 off code. He'll be spending less than $100 for two tickets and getting great seats. Thanks. That $20 off code, by the way, is fantasy. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code fantasy today. That's promo code FANTASY for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. I am going to see Janelle Monet this Friday night. I'm very excited for that, and that was another one I used the SeatGeek app to purchase the tickets for that. So, very excited for that. Uh, once again, SeatGeek promo code FANTASY for $20 off. Email of the day number two from Justin, who is concerned in Texas. Can we talk about Corey Kluber? He traded for him on June 14th to bolster a horrendous pitching staff. And on that day, Corey Kluber had a 199 ERA and .83 whip. <laughs> wrong day to trade for him. Uh, yeah. Things went wrong. After Monday's only three earned runs in four innings, but it was a lot worse than that. Two strikeouts, one walk, nine hits, three earned runs in four innings of work for Corey Kluber. Four quality starts in his last eight games. He has had five or fewer strikeouts in five of his last seven starts. And he had an injection in his right knee before the All-Star break. How concerned are we about Corey Kluber on a scale of uh, 1 to 10, let's say? The, time, the timing of that injection is interesting. But I, and, and I know this does a lot of people a lot of good now, but I, I had been a little concerned about Kluber really from the start of the season when... You know, last year he kind of took off. He went from being, yeah, a good, you know, kind of an ace to the guy we saw who, who won the Cy Young Award ultimately. The guy, he went from being the guy Adam Azer said ERA matters about to... They said he wasn't an ace. Right, right, because his ERA was on the high side to having this terrific ERA. And it was because he started throwing his breaking ball a lot more at the end of May. And that's when he became extreme bat missers guy who deserves the Cy Young Award. And to remember, well, that, he, he had a 5.06 ERA in the first six games last season before going on the disabled list with a back injury. Yeah. Now, he, he, hadn't, he hadn't been doing that same thing with the breaking ball this year, and his season-long swinging strike rate is his lowest since 2013, which was before he ever became the ace-caliber pitcher that we know today, before his first Cy Young Award. Uh, you know, that's that's how the rate he's been missing bats this year. I didn't say anything about it because he was still pitching so well and because he plays for one of the best teams at baseball and uh, eats so many innings and is just such an... It, there are so few pitchers like that today that, you know, I didn't want to quibble over the strikeout rate. But quibble. even now, it's like quibble he's away. still an ace. But, like, we've but, spent so much time talking really over the last calendar year, about the step back that Clayton Kershaw has taken. Well, yeah, but he's not getting those innings anymore. Right, but, not... but Corey Kluber has taken a similar step back. Not, maybe it, maybe it's it, finally starting to catch up to him. And there, there hasn't been the velocity drop 
that there has yeah. been for Kershaw. There, there's a, there's a lot more warning signs for Kershaw. And like I don't want to overstate it with Kluber. He's still an ace. He's just you know it it was for for most of the year we've thought of it in terms of Scherzer, Sale, and Kluber. And you know does Kluber for sure belong ahead of Justin Verlander? Um, who else is in that group? Well, Severino, been Severino, Severino yeah. but he's been not. That's maybe one of the bigger things. Also, that happened last night. Severino continued to struggle, and it's been three bad starts for Severino. But it's you know he had close to twenty swinging strikes last night. He still had eight strikeouts. The velocity's still been fine. I I have more concerns that Kluber is less than we thought he was than that Severino is less than we thought he was. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's move right into a section I call overreaction time with five question marks. Is it time to overreact to some of the things we've seen? I've One of them was inspired by a tweet that we got last night, so we'll start with that one. Ross Stripling, is he going to be a second-half bust? Is the, is the carriage turning back into a pumpkin? Is that the, the analogy? <laughs> it could be if you wanted to make a really bad one. I mean, it's a famous, it's a, a famous fable. It is a famous fable. Um, I, I don't. So really Russ Stripling gave up five earned runs, seven hits, four, four and two thirds innings. I want to provide the the. Three, I appreciate Sorry it. For cutting I you appreciate off. it. Keep going. Three home runs was the biggest thing I noticed from him. And do you want to say your point, Heath? I nope, feel nope, like go everybody ahead. keeps interrupting. All right. Heath, please. Okay. Go. No, it's great. Um, you know, Ross Stripling has a really low FIP. He has a terrific strikeout rate and terrific walk rate. I think the home run rate was probably a little too good to be true. And so maybe there is some regression that's going to happen there. I don't I don't think he's going to turn into a pumpkin. Uh, the most concerning thing I could say about Stripling is I feel like Joe Buck and John Smoltz were talking about it when he was pitching in the All-Star game. Uh, and I don't know how much more insight they have than I do. I don't know who they've talked to. I, I don't know. But they seem to say with with without much hesitation that uh, when everybody's healthy, he's going back to the bullpen and being multi-inning reliever guy in the second half. So I, I, just, I don't see that anyway. Well, that the, the reason that I think that might happen, and I don't think it should happen, I don't see any signs that he's going to be bad in the second half. He's not going to strand 90% of the runners that reach base, sure. I wouldn't expect. So his ERA is going to go up a little bit. Um, the reason it might happen, he has not thrown more than 119 innings in a season since 2013, and he only threw 127 that year. He's already thrown 100 this year. So they may be a little concerned about pushing him past 140-150. Yeah. And they may want him for the playoffs. That's fair. I mean, for the rest of the season, the regular season at least, if he stayed on turn, he'd probably get another 50-60 innings. So that, that might be pushing it, yeah. I guess I, guess I haven't considered that. Yeah, and they're going to be aggressive with trades, I'm sure, even beyond the July 31st deadline. Uh, I would doubt he's a part of their rotation in, in the playoffs just because of that innings thing. He probably is going to be multi-inning reliever guy then. But, Rest of season, well, Ross Stripling or Sean yeah. Newcomb? Oh, definitely Stripling. But Eight? that, you know, there, there's yeah. obviously a concern there. All right. Overreaction time, Trey Turner will be benched on Tuesday after failing to run out a bunt. Is Trey <laughs> Turner in trouble? Is Gary Sanchez in trouble? Uh, I believe uh, Aaron Boone did say he has to review the video. I did not see whether he reviewed the video, but that was uh, that, his effort on that passed ball in the first inning yesterday was not um, 
good. He did not try. Yeah. I, I think that uh, there's a chance both of them are benched in their next game. And that's, that's, it. That, that's it. Yeah, I didn't think so. I just <laughs> wanted to throw that in there. Uh, Luis Severino, we mentioned him a little bit. Scott, you don't seem concerned, but over his last three starts, 14 strikeouts and 15 innings, that's okay, except that he's given up 13 earned runs and six homers in his last three starts, th- uh, two more yesterday, uh, six earned runs over five innings. And he did strike out eight yesterday, but before that he had just yeah. six strikeouts in his previous two starts. Right, this- and I, I, I might be more concerned if that pattern continued, but I'm I feel like the stuff is there. There's not really any doubt about that. He still, you know, he still has an ERA lower than his fifth. So are wins enough to still say Severino over to Grom? Because Grom's pitching better right now. Degrom's been better all year. It's amazing. Degrom's thrown three straight eight inning starts, including yesterday. Uh, I think the two starts before that were quality two, and yet. The last that that five start stretch he's zero and two, and I I don't like <laughs> he's going to be on the lower end of the win side for an ace the rest of the year. I don't believe that if he keeps his ERA below two point five, he's going to finish the year at five hundred. I think there is some recor- correction coming. Yeah, but if I put the over, he's at five wins right now. He probably has thirteen starts left. Let's say thirteen starts left. Okay. If I set the over-under at nine and a half wins for the season, where do you go? He has five right now. I'm conflicted because I am a bit of a troll at heart, Mm -hmm. and I think it would be very awesome for a pitcher to finish the year with a 1.80 ERA and 9 and 12. That that would be a lot of fun, but (laughs) I would take the over because I think that's what makes the most sense. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's a non-zero chance DeGrom gets traded, too. Sure. Unlikely, but it's it's possible his agent has certainly put the Mets on notice so uh maybe it happens um I'm not ready to drop Severino behind him but I don't have any problem with anybody who does I think they're definitely in the same tier of starting pitcher all right how about Zach Eflin made his return from the DL yesterday and was not good one strikeout three (laughs) walks three earned runs allowed and two and two-thirds innings is Zach Eflin Zach Eflin or uh, Sean Newcomb I'll just I'll set the bar there Newcomb I think I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go Zach Eflin. He's been better this season. And yeah, that is definitely. In fact, I would I would say Zach Eflin has made some incredible strides, but his home run to fly ball rate was due for regression. Just appears to be happening all in one game yesterday, <sighs> giving up the three home runs. Now I lifted that word for word. That was a tweet I found yesterday when I saw Zach Eflin's name was trending from Ellen Adair. And I was like, wow, that sounds like something I would say, almost word for word. So I retweeted it. And apparently she's a big fan of the show. So yeah. she was excited that I retweeted her. And Ellen Adair is an, an actress. She's been in Homeland and uh, Billions. Had Sh- a current role in both. Outstanding. Yeah. So now she gets a shout out on the podcast. And this could Hopefully be. Hopefully she's listening today. This could just be me sticking to my guns too much. I'll admit that. But Zach Eflin's He's six, taken a, 69 innings of a big leap is not enough for me to just say, yep, that's who he is now. Well, the big thing for me was the, the velocity. He wasn't healthy last year. and he, he's, he's talked about how he, he, I think he had knee surgery or, or leg surgery before the start of the 2016 season. It really messed with the lower half, and he's seen a big velocity jump, and it's, 
it's made him just a much more effective pitcher. So that that's the thing. Was for me the velocity there last night? I believe so. Let me. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, ninety four point nine eight miles per hour. This fastball. That's right in line with where he's been all season. So, yeah. I, mm-hmm. And it's. I saw some reporters wondering if maybe the blister was bothering him. I, I didn't see anything after the game, so I would assume he's okay. But you know, yeah. That first start back from the DL. I, I'm. I I give guys that I've I'm certain are really good pitchers that same benefit. Mm-hmm. Like John, Johnny Cueto, Madison Bumgarner come back. Whatever, it's one start, it's two starts. Whatever. I'm just. So you are. I'm not there with Eflin. So you. Well, are and, and I, look, I'm not sure he is over the blister thing. We we won't know yet. But there, I think there's something to the home run regression thing. I mean, he had a he had a sub one home run rate, which is good for any pitcher these days. Uh, some sub one home runs per nine innings, and that was even though he's a fly ball pitcher at an extremely hitter friendly park like that that had to correct mm-hmm. and uh you know three home runs yesterday was pretty much the extent of the damage against him do you want to overreact to daniel ponce de leon and his historic first major league start allowed zero hits over seven innings before we'll get to it a little later but bud norris blew the save can can i three strikeouts three walks was his performance better or my headline this morning ponce de leon discovers success um, eh. the performance. Not like that's the thing. <laughs> he was going. Was he was he searching for El Dorado or was he searching was for the, the Fountain, Fountain of Youth? youth. Okay, right. I I want to try to separate two things. It's going to be really fun when he gets older. He, yes, he. I'm if he's in the majors. He <laughs> had a really good results last night. He has a phenomenal story. I'm very happy for him that he recovered from that and was able to have that moment. I'm sorry Bud Norris ruined it for him. But there are a lot of question marks. Some of them have to do with his surroundings and whether he's going to be allowed to stay in the major league. Some of them have to do with whether he is a major league quality pitcher. And three walks and three strikeouts in seven innings does not scream major league caliber pitcher. So... I'm not overly excited. He's in the waiver wire today. You can add him as a speculative ad. This is no sure thing. Yeah, Carlos Martinez uh, expected to miss only one turn in the rotation. It comes down to whether they value him or Luke Weaver more. Yeah, and it should be Luke Weaver. Well, and there's John Gann also, right? Um, because he's been taking a regular turn even before Carlos Martinez went down. So it's it. I, I think there's a chance here Ponce de Leon could stick, but he needs to strike out more than he did in this start. He had a really good strikeout rate at yeah. AAA this year. It was an oddity among the rest, among his entire minor league career. Hasn't been a strikeout guy consistently. The thing that so I'm not, okay. I'm not confident that's will be in the majors. Obviously, we need to see the thing to keep in mind, and and it's it's worth mentioning anytime we talk about. Well, does he have a place to pitch, or is there a rotation spot? these things tend to work out. Like if Daniel Ponce de Leon, we talked about it with Jack Flaherty early in the season when he was up and down, up and down, and we weren't sure whether we should hold on to him, whether he was going to get a chance. These things tend to work themselves out. If a guy is worth keeping in the rotation, generally speaking, he'll be in the rotation but if it's at a some point. But, but yeah, challenge. he might not be. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He is yeah. not the type of pitcher that will make his own way, I don't yeah. think. Uh, Joey Lucchese, is this just, he's been good. Two earned runs or fewer in five straight starts. He continues to pitch well. Is this just a case of where he's just not going to get enough innings to to make it matter? 
You know the last time he threw six innings in a start? April 15th. Uh, okay. I was going to say 2017, so. <laughs> He's had two six-inning starts. They were yep. both in April. Like, he he cannot get a quality start. I don't think they're going to let him get a quality start. And that's for, for a team that already he's going to have a hard time winning games for. All right, how about this one? Is Cole Hamels even worth owning in a standard 12-team league? Yes. Okay. He is somebody who is almost certain to get traded because he's in his last gear, the last guaranteed year of his deal. And obviously the Rangers, I think they're in last place. Um, his splits home and away this year are yeah. dramatic. 641 ERA at home, 293 ERA away from Globe Life Field at Arlington. And the home run rate on the road is cut in half, too. I mean, basically all the ratios are, but most most notably the home run rate is half on the road what it is at home. Obviously, he pitches in a hitter-friendly environment. And obviously the home runs are playing a big part in his fit being so high. Um you know, I don't know that he's going to be a sub three ERA pitcher if he gets traded to the NL East. The Nationals, Braves, and Phillies are all said to have interest, uh, but it should go a lot better for him. I'm just, and the strikeout rate has been really good this year. I'm just worried. And we talked about it at the beginning of the year. He developed the new pitch. It was the slider mm-hmm. slash whatever. And I was worried then that well, what happens when everybody's seen that pitch? Whatever happens when everybody and even his last few road starts. At Detroit, he didn't get through the first inning. At Baltimore, he gave up four runs and six and a third and struck out three. Gave up seven runs last night. Gave up seven runs to the White Sox at home. Four runs to the Padres at home. He hasn't been good now you're, for over now you're a mixing month. mixing in home starts again. He hasn't been good for over a month anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and his that, strikeout rate he hasn't. peaked in March with 26%. He's been below 24%. He's had one month above average since March. 19.8% so far in the month of July. And the big thing for me is he has a 417 FIP away from home. So even if we're giving him the benefit of the doubt, I'm not sure he's an average pitcher even in a neutral run environment. So, Well, there is one thing he does well that you're not going to find from any pitcher on the waiver wire is even if he's 4 ERA guy, let's say, he gets traded, he's 4 ERA guy, he's about a strikeout per inning. That's consistently going six or seven innings, which yeah, that, is so that's valuable in its own right. Head, but not so much in Roto. I, yeah, I just don't know if that's even the case anymore. He's gone six innings once in his last five starts. Well, they've been bad. I'm saying if he gets to back to pitching for your A guy. Yeah, I don't know. Um, would you rather have Cole Hamels or Gio Gonzalez, who has four plus walks in four of his last five starts after... Another bad start versus Milwaukee last night. Five earned runs in five and two-thirds innings, five walks, five strikeouts. Definitely Hamels. Uh, Gonzalez has had control issues in the past, and he is his own worst enemy right now. His ERA has gone from 227 to 394 in his past eight starts, four-plus walks in five of those eight starts. These guys are in a very similar tier for me, but I'll take Gonzalez. Let's put Hamels in that group that we were talking about earlier with Snell. Uh, with the Snell replacements, at least. Marco Gonzalez, Kyle Gibson, Vince Velasquez, Carlos Rodon, Nick Kingham, or Cole Hamels. Where does Hamels fit in? Behind all of them. I think I'm there with you. <laughs> wow. I was th- uh, I'd was. take Gonzalez and Gibson over him. I'd probably take Velasquez over him, but that's 
that's close to a toss up for me right now. And that's that's as far as I'd go. Is there any reason to react to Yuli Shasin striking out nine and five and two thirds innings against the Nationals last night? No. He is, nope. I believe, throwing his slider more than anyone in baseball. He is going uh, full Patrick Corbin. So it's not it's not as effective as Corbin. no, no. Corbin had another <laughs> very good start last night, but uh, you know, uh, he just just yeah, pointing that out. It's he's he's managed to have a really low BABIP. Um, Justine has for the second straight season. It just it just feels like it's not going to last. All Can't right. Last. Team name Tuesday, Charlie Morton's War. Maybe we've probably had that one before. Juan Hour Soto. I like that one. Brass Muncie, that funky Muncie. I think we've had that one before. Heath, shouts to you. That's the Bowers of Love. Don't need Muncie. Don't need fam. I can't keep it going. I, I may just... You thought, you thought about that one ahead of time. That may be what I write this afternoon. The song? <laughs> Rewrite that song with fantasy baseball just teammates. About, okay, that's yes. good. Uh, we've got some Beatles, name, Beatles team names that I liked from AJ in New Jersey. The Magical Mystery Boar. I Need a Hold Brad Hand. Chad Cool on a Hill. And Maxwell Muncy's Silver Hammer. I love all of those. Thank you, AJ from New Jersey. And one more email of the day, number three. Again, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com if you want your email on the show. It's from Devin, a.k.a. Lloyd Christmas. That's the Dumb Dumber, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Dumbest movie ever. That's kind of the point. Yeah. That's, that's what it aims to be. Right? All right, so he, uh, he writes in about the Madison Bumgarner discussion that we had last podcast. Per Fangrass, Madison Bumgarner's pitch, fastball pitch values. He's been... Really good with his fastball throughout the course of his year, but it's been a steady decline since 2016, and it's been worth negative 3.9 runs so far in 2018. And the same thing for his slider. His slider has been about average after being one of the best pitches in baseball before 2018. He's leaning on his changeup more than ever, and that's been just about average for him as well. He, uh, Devin says, I love Mad Bum. But with these pitch values, how can he succeed, and is this a good metric to go off of? So my response to the second question would be, I think they're a good measure of what the results have been on a pitch to date. But given relatively small sample sizes, especially for someone like Bumgarner, who's only made like 10 starts, probably not super predictive moving forward. It's it's a measure of results, not of... Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to ask you, because I honestly yeah. didn't know. To answer I mean, the first it, question... If it's a measure of results, that makes sense. Right. Yeah. The results haven't been good. To answer the first <laughs> question, no, he cannot be good with these pitch values. Yeah, I mean, if he has three <laughs> average or below average pitches in his arsenal, he's probably not going to be good. I, but I, I would guess, especially the slider, I would bet we see better results from moving forward. It just... Like we discussed yesterday, I think there were real concerns about Mass and Bumgarner moving forward. Scott, you wrote a basically a trade deadline preview last night. What was it? Ten players. This will be up on cbsportscom slash fantasy slash baseball. Ten players whose value could change significantly at the trade deadline. It's actually a lot more than ten because I lumped a bunch of closers together since, you know, half the closers They're in all, baseball could be on the move. Well, and that's, that's one that's... Not a zero sum. Where is a zero? I don't know. Something <laughs> about sums. Either way, when a closer gets traded, 
another closer sprouts forth fully formed. Yeah, but you'd be surprised. It's it's you'd be surprised how few prospective closers are in any of those bullpens. Obviously, I put Bud Norris on there. That's I guess it's, it's you know there's there's a chance the Cardinals think they're still in the race and don't move anybody. But he's in the final year of his contract, and John Hicks would obviously be a good replacement. I, I Joe Jimenez looks like the yeah. guy waiting for the Tigers. But, you know, is Shane Green really going to be a big draw for contenders? I don't know. But beyond that, there's nobody I love in any of those bullpens. Uh, anyone where we could see the closer traded. All right. Well, before we move on to some of the other players to talk about, I want to go through some of the trade rumors from yesterday. JT Real Muto expected to stay put per John Heyman. That's, uh, that's interesting. This is a really interesting one, actually. I don't know, Heath, if you saw this one. John Morosi reports that Milwaukee has discussed trading for Mike Moustakis and moving Travis Shaw to second base full-time. Yeah, and I don't think Travis Shaw would be a particularly good second baseman. I would guess not. But like, if this is the direction baseball is going, then it's kind of the opposite. Five years ago, defense was the market inefficiency. And now, if it's all strikeouts and home runs and walks, it's kind of useless. Yeah, Yeah, especially you can shift so much too that you can you can kind of hide travis shaw at second base and this is it's an interesting there was a really interesting fan graphs piece i think right at the beginning of the season talking about how you know teams may be prioritizing defense less because you just you rely on your defense less now uh, yeah, the sure. would be great for moose's value though sure that'd be a great place it would be really would travis shaw be more useful as a second baseman or a third baseman Second baseman, I would think. I don't know okay. that it makes a huge difference, yep. but yeah, I think if second base is last bigger. time I looked, it made almost no difference. It'd probably be a good time to update that. Um, the only thing that was more valuable than anything else was first base. All right, Yankees have inquired on Chris Archer, as we mentioned, and there's been lots of talk about Zach Britton. Uh, pretty much every contender seems interested in him. I'm not entirely sure I understand why, but it's a big name. You know, obviously someone who was a borderline Cy Young contender a couple of years ago as a closer. And if he can find that again, he would be a, a huge value if he could become a closer in, in a contender's bullpen. So something to keep an eye on. And the Rockies are scouting Kevin Gosman and Dylan Bundy. And boy, would that be even less interesting for both of them if they <laughs> went there. Uh, so Scott, let's pick three of the guys whose value will improve the most at the trade deadline. If they get traded. So I've already shared some of these nuggets already. DeGrom and Archer are both on this list. Cole Hamels with the home away split is on the list. Um, I think Kirby Yates, sure. even though you feel like this has already been decided, I think he's a very interesting case, maybe the most interesting case, because he is less than 60% owned, even though you could make the case he's been a better pitcher than Brad Hand himself this year. 140 ERA got his first save since Hand was traded yesterday. Amazing split finger fastball that's just helping him pile up strikeouts. I think he could be top 10 closer in fantasy if we knew he was closing, but I think part of the reason his ownership lagged is because people aren't convinced he is going to be closing for long. He's going to be on his way out the door as well. We're going to know, I feel like, on July 31st. With a lot of these other players, you know, they could still clear waivers, get traded in August, but... Kirby Yates doesn't have the kind of contract that's going to clear waivers. So if it doesn't happen by July 31st, it's not happening. 
And if he's not, if he's still with the Padres, his ownership should jump over 80%, I think, at least. Yeah, and Brad Hand was someone last year that we assumed was definitely going to be traded, and then the Padres decided to not just not only hang on to him, but give him an extension. Do you think trading. Kirby Yates will be get enough saves on the Padres to be useful in points leagues? I mean, Brad Hand was tied for third in the NL when he got yeah. traded. Do you think Kirby Yates is as good as Brad Hand? He's, He's been, been better, better this year. year. Yeah. 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 Like that, that, we don't know because Kirby Yates, the, this is a brand new Kirby Yates. I mean, he was, he was barely a major leaguer before last year. He gets to the Padres and he has like a 370 RA last season. Um, He's taken a massive step forward, and it's hard to know. This is the problem with pitchers. It's hard to know when a massive step forward is a massive step forward. I do have an update on the positional value. Okay. Matt Carpenter is currently the number two first baseman, mm-hmm. which is just awesome. In points <laughs> leagues, he is the number five second baseman. Mm-hmm. He is the number six third baseman, and he would be the number five shortstop. So basically, okay. first base is terrible. The other <laughs> positions are all the same. We need to come up I, with like a Carpenter factor. Number 15 through 18, number 15 through 20, let's say. I'm much more interested at first base than any other infield position. Wark wins above replacement Carpenter. That's the stat. Almost everybody's a negative. Yeah, probably this year. He's been pretty good. Uh, Scott, any more trade guys to discuss, or can we move on? Um, let's move on. I don't want to spoil the whole column. And like I said, I've already dropped a lot of these nuggets throughout the podcast you have dropped your nugs all over the podcast <laughs> go to cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball for scott's preview of the trade deadline that'll be up for most of the next week i would assume and his bullpen report uh which you can find out the latest comings and goings of various bullpens around baseball let's go to some injuries news and notes before closing out the show with more of your emails Arotas viscaino is two to three weeks away from throwing AJ Minter is going to be the closer for at least the next month, and he's like forty-five percent owned. He is widely underowned. So unless the Braves trade for Zach Britton, yeah, that, that's as true. They're in the mix to do. And what percentage of our leagues do we think are categories leagues? Some uh, categories, but he he'll be the closer for the next. He he's worth starting as the closer for for a head-to-head league for the next month. Probably, yeah. I, I there were so many Sparps now, I, I struggle with that. Yeah. How many good Sparps are there? There's Stripling. Musgrove. There's maybe Musgrove, but I wouldn't start him in a one-star week. Um, uh, yeah. All right. That's I, it. I, Bueller, I, Bueller's I back. Who? Bueller. For now. Bueller? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah Bueller. Bueller's good. Bueller. Uh, Mike Miner. Mike Miner, I feel like, is, you know, I'm only starting him with two stars. Brad Keller. <laughs> <laughs> The Dodgers called up Alex Verdugo to replace Justin Turner. Do we think he's going to get playing time? Still a very good minor league player. Everybody gets playing time for the Dodgers. I don't think he's going to get enough to be fantasy relevant. Manny Machado will play third base every day because Justin Turner was placed on the disabled list yesterday. That's probably a net gain for the Dodgers. Chris Taylor uh, started at shortstop yesterday. I think Cody Ballinger actually started in center field. So that will probably be one of the... Uh, we'll see Chris Taylor at shortstop pretty regularly, I think, for the Dodgers. The infield seems settled uh, for now. Ozzie Albee's expected to be out until Thursday as he recovers from this hamstring injury, so sorry to anyone who started him this week. That's unfortunate. 
Carlos Martinez will throw a bullpen session early this week. Like we said earlier, he's expected to miss just one turn through the rotation. We'll see how that bullpen session goes. Frankie Montas will start today, Tuesday versus Texas. Albert Pujol, any interest in Frankie Montas? The the results have been good. The way he's gone about them, not so much. Is he mixed league relevant? Meh. Is he he a is a spark, though. Yeah. But he's not a good one. Albert Pujol's returned from the DL. Mike Soroka still two weeks away from throwing. Do you think we see Mike Soroka in the Braves rotation again this season? Yes, would be my guess today, but... The Braves, the Braves are kind of in on everybody. As yeah. I was reading up on trade rumors yesterday, um, and that includes rotation options, Hamels. I mentioned they. I feel like they've been on Chris Archer for the last three years, so we'll see what happens there. Michael Pineda will begin a rehab assignment August sixth, so he'll be back in the majors by, well, September sixth. Any interest in stashing Michael Pineda? Or do we think he's gonna just make three or four inning starts for the last month of the season or so? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not interested. Brent Suter has a torn UCL, likely needs Tommy John surgery. Ahmed Rosario was moved into the leadoff spot for the Mets on Monday. We'll see how long that lasts because they just don't seem to like him very much. Aaron Altair was sent to AAA. That kind of clears out what's been a long-running glut in the Phillies outfield. And Nick Williams has actually had a very good month of July and an un- uncharacteristically un-Nick Williams-like month of July. Lots of walks. Very few strikeouts, so something to keep an eye on there. He's a talented player. And the Marlins recalled Magnaris Sierra. Scott, any interest at all in him for fantasy? Top one hundred prospect. He is yeah. very fast. That He's might, one of those top one hundred prospects that I feel like is much better for real life purposes than fantasy. I want to say most of it's defense. Yeah, and with a 287 on base percentage at AAA, he's not that good in real life either. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's get to your emails. Fantasybaseball at CBSI.com to close off the show. First email. I didn't put the name, but it's a face-off. I'll get the name. Nick Pavetta or Vince Velasquez? Pick one. Pavetta. And that's, that's an pretty much a toss-up for me i was actually asking myself that same question earlier today uh i liked pavetta more before these the last start each of them made so i guess i should probably stick with pavetta that was andrew trending up this is andrew in toronto face off and this is a three-way face off aj minter will smith or kirby yates who are you taking i'm taking yates and hoping he doesn't get traded i think there's a good enough chance he doesn't I'll take Minter, I guess. Carlos Santana or Kyle Seeger? Is this just a completely points versus Roto? Just punt that mm-hmm. one? Santana no, I both. think Carlos Santana's better everywhere. Yep. Seeger has not hit for much average himself this year and with a much higher strikeout rate than we're used to seeing. And he has that. like the... We were looking it up. Who were we talking about yesterday with the low home run? Oh, Scooter Jeanette has like the eighth lowest uh, average home run distance and... I think Kyle Seeger is one of the few players actually below him. So, but by the way, Scooter Jeanette um, has had pretty good numbers on the road the last two years. It's it's been close to even this year, and you know was still OPS over 800 last year. So I don't, I didn't put him on the um, 10 players whose trade value could change. All right, and John Gray or Rich Hill. 
I would go with John Gray. I'll go with John Gray, but the real answer is Rich Hill when he's healthy, John Gray when he's not at course. I'm not like neither of these guys are you're starting every single week. Gray's been pretty close to even home in a way, I want to say, throughout his career. So I don't know that I'd necessarily say no to him at course. But he, he, I need to see more than just the one good start to be totally back on board with starting him, period. I just have a lot of confidence in him. All right, JR, from a place where you need pairs of gloves instead of one. I, I don't know. Almost I feels like a Dumb and Dumber reference, maybe? Canada? Oh. I think you mean... Somewhere oh, cold? Yeah. I was thinking hockey. Don't they wear gloves? Yeah. Uh, that could be it. That could be it, yeah. Grade the trade. Max Muncy is what he gets. What he sends out is Brad Boxberger and Miguel Andujar. A plus. Wait, that's not what this email says, is it? Or am I looking at a different email? Oh, yeah. Wow, these trades were similar. Because later on... Oh, yeah. We have a very similar... We'll, we'll do that one, too. Grade this one. Max Muncy. Give give up Sean Newcomb and Miguel Andujar. Get Max Muncy. A. So... So they just swapped out Bachberger for Newcomb. Yeah, two different. Either way, I want Patrick. Muncy. Um, but I think it's an A plus for both. So I'll say I'll say A minus just to be a little different. All right, yeah. Dane writes in, dear Manny, Brad, and Juris. Will be interesting to see who else joins that group in the next week. Haven't talked much about Jose Bautista lately, despite a near elite walk rate for the past month and a half. He's been fairly productive for my points league, despite flying under the radar. Do we have any interest in Jose Bautista in mixed leagues? It's one of those cases where he's most valuable in points leagues, but points leagues also have the smallest lineups. Yep. So yeah, he's how's two, he going to crack it? He's hitting 235 with an 820 OPS since joining the Mets, but he is walking a ridiculous amount. 35 walks and 173 plate appearances. Mm-hmm. That's a ton of walks, but... He's not bad. I've I've thought about including him on the ten top ten sleeper hitters each of the last three weeks. I've gone with Wilmer Flores every time instead. But Bautista's been in, in the thought process. So he's he's not irrelevant. And Dane asks a question that Heath and I were kind of discussing in the in the office. I don't think we brought this guy up, but does Max Muncie have a sneaky shot at NL MVP? The NL MVP race this season is not good. I think Nolan Arenado leads the NL in wins above replacement, and he's like 10th in the league uh, per fan graph. So the NL... 10th in baseball. 10th in, yeah, among hitters. Yeah. Uh, there are yeah. multiple pitchers that are ahead of him as well in the American League. So it's been a, it's been a rough season. I think Max Muncy does have a chance. I don't really think Max Muncy can be quite this good for the last 65 games or whatever he plays. But if somehow he was, then I think he probably just is the MVP. He's going to have a bad issues. Like, he's not going to have the plate appearances of all the other contenders. He's going to have defense dragging down his war. It's if, I, if it was happening today, I'd say it's Freddie Freeman. And Nolan Arenado is, of course, very much in that mix, as he is every year. But that's I, I, I don't think Muncy's just... Going like he, he'll get some votes thrown his way, but I don't think he'll make a serious run at it. I'm going to throw in a take right at the end of this podcast when everybody's tuned out. You know who the NL MVP should be right now? Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola. Case could be made. And I don't know that Muncy's. Go- when was the last time Muncy sat? 
I don't. Well, he's just he's just so far behind in terms. Oh, you mean total? Okay, yes, he's gonna play every day yeah. from this point forward. Like even with the Dodgers' funny business, I just yeah, like, he might get to forty home runs in one hundred and thirty games. He might right, but he's if you only impact your team for two thirds of the season, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm still bitter because who was it who beat out Gary Sanchez for? Rookie of the Year, and that's not even MVP. It was Rookie of the Year a couple years ago in the AL. Oh, well, Gary Sanchez only was. played like 20, like 50 games, right? Yeah, but he had a higher war, which is a cumulative stat. He had a higher war than this other guy who beat him out. I can't remember Michael Fulmer. Was. It was Michael Fulmer. Yeah, it should have been Gary Sanchez. So Max Muncy's war right now is 3.8 war in 78 games. That's good. That's superstar-level production. I assume he has a negative defensive war, right? Just, just like barely. It's almost yeah. dead even. He's, he's helped a lot by the fact that he plays so many positions. Mm. That Interesting. There's a higher replacement value for that. Oh, it's a, it's 3.2 on baseball reference versus 3.8 on fan graphs, which, you know, it's good either way, but that's a bigger discrepancy than you usually see. All right, well, that's going to do it for Wednesday or Tuesday. Tuesday, right? Tuesday's podcast, <laughs> Tuesday's edition of the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. Heath, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe Adam will be back tomorrow. I believe Adam will be back tomorrow as well. I'm Freddie so Freeman excited. has a four war in 97 games. He's good, too. Max Muncy's the MVP. Yeah, Freddie Freeman's pretty good, too, though. Well, I'm saying he's, saying. Two, he's two-tenths of a war behind him in 20 fewer games. This is fascinating podcasting. Max Muncy, guys. <laughs> Do you are there any really th- other things you wanna you wanna tell the tell the show while Just you scroll through fan graphs? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Come back, Adam. Bye.